0: Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC, and this episode is a Pillar and Ground questions episode where we seek to provide biblical perspective for today's pressing questions. And today we're joined by Tabitha Kapik, an LMPC member who, who works here on the mountain and around the world, really, with Chalmers Center, and we're going to be addressing the following question. What are the biggest mistakes we make as followers of Jesus when it comes to serving our community in a way that will be welcomed? A reminder to everyone listening, we had a small focus group come up with some questions initially, and we are receiving questions from anyone that has a question they want us to address on the podcast. You can submit that to the information in the show notes. But this question was was brought to us through the focus group. What are the biggest mistakes we make as followers of Jesus when it comes to serving our community in a way that will be welcomed? And before we get to that question, just wanted to have you talk a little bit about what you do, your work at Chalmers Center, where you address things like this often.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You bet. I'm
1: excited. Um, I am the Director of Innovation at the Chalmers Center, and um, the mission of the Chalmers Center is to equip the church and Christian nonprofits to uh, walk alongside the materially poor. Mm. Um, and we say till poverty is no more. Mm. Um and so, yeah, I worked for Chalmers in the early 2000s, and took uh, 15 years off from working with them. Worked with other people. Now I'm back. So started yeah. back in 2019.
0: That's great. And we'll put the, the link to the website for Chalmers Center in the show notes as well for those that may not know about it. Can yeah. go learn and and so you you face these questions a lot. So just what are the biggest mistakes yeah. that you find we make as followers of Jesus?
1: Yeah. I, I love to start answer that kind of with a story. Yeah. So early in the pandemic, our family went for a hike on the back of lookout and I wanted to take them to a place where I knew there was a, a mine, an old mine shaft. Yeah. So as we're approaching, we're hiking, there's nobody else out there, but as we get up to the mouth of this cave, we see someone coming out. And so we kind of social distanced way back. And I saw that the man had his hands cupped and I love animals. So I was like, what do you got there? Like, what, what is that? And he said, oh, um, we were just in there in the cave and we found this frog and it was freezing to death. So we're moving it out here where it can be, you know, better. It could be safe. And I didn't say anything. They just kind of walked by and my family went in. Um, Guess what we found inside the cave? Frogs. Frogs. It was the perfect environment for them. There was constant water supply. There's water dripping down the walls. Cave crickets. There were buddies. And what these very well-intentioned people did was take the frog out of its ideal environment Mm. and put it into an environment That they felt comfortable in.
0: That felt good to
1: them. And we constantly do that. And that's... So when I talk to folks that are going out to serve, that's a big thing. I say, remember the frog. It is not about moving people out of their community into a life situation that's comfortable for you. It's...
0: That's really, really good.
1: Keeping them in their community and helping them flourish. So...
0: Remember the frog.
1: Remember the frog.
0: We'll never forget that. <laughs> and, and so that's a helpful guiding principle when you go uh into a situation to serve other principles that you that you think through and lead with that yeah. to try to stop mistakes, ways of thinking.
1: Yeah, I mean I think uh, a big one is something your mother maybe said that you have two ears and one mouth, so yes. you should listen twice as long as you talk. And that's another thing that, um, folks who maybe have more material wealth, mm-hmm. um, we're not always great at listening. Mm-hmm. And so we go into a situation and we start fixing it and start making pronouncements and, mm-hmm. So I, a big thing in poverty alleviation ministry or just being with people is treat them with dignity and listen to them, mm-hmm. ask questions. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. The other one that comes to mind, you're going to have to stop me at some point because I'll just keep going.
0: Keep going. I'm, we're, we're, we need to learn.
1: I think the buddy system is a big deal. I love that LMPC has been doing that where we partner with folks who already are Doing the work, yes, and who have long-term relationships with the yes. folks they're walking with, and um, you know that budding up with people already there is is hugely important.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's really easy, I think, sometimes to go into a situation where you're budding, and if you have a critical mind, a critical thinking ability. To start off looking at everything that's wrong versus everything that's right about what they're doing. Yeah. And that's when we start trying to correct and fix stuff. And that's a pretty that's a pretty tragic mistake a lot of times when you're buddying with people, would you say?
1: Oh, yeah. You're reading my mind. so what you're talking about is something that we talk a lot about at the Trauma Center. And that's not being needs-based where you go in – and just see problems and seek to address those, but rather going into a community being asset-based where mm-hmm. you're looking at what's already working. What are these people great at? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we build into the flow that's already happening? Yeah. And you know, kind of what you're getting at too there is coming in with our tools that we have, and and thinking that we can go into a completely different environment and our tools will still work the same. Yes. So like I have some insider information about you that do you feel nervous?
0: I feel really nervous, but I'm happy that <laughs> our producer Ben Wingard's here because he can edit.
1: So <laughs> I have a feeling that you like Power washers? Is this something? Yes,
0: you do have that information. (laughs) Pressure washing.
1: Pressure washing. See, I didn't even call it it the right thing. It is
0: therapeutic.
1: It is wonderful. I've done it um, for like five seconds, and then I was like, this was fun. Here you go, (laughs) Kelly. You can finish up. It's like
0: coloring for adults.
1: Yes. Kind of the reverse of coloring. Right. It's erasing. yeah. the green is going away. (laughs) That's right. Okay. People who don't live in the South don't know what we're talking about. Anyway. (laughs) Um. Okay, power washers are great. Is pressure pressure washer?
0: We will go. Yeah, pressure is what okay. I say.
1: That's probably the right way.
0: I thought. By the way, I thought you were going to go to my love for Legos or barbecue. Oh, I can talk but you about went Legos. pressure washing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, pressure washing. Okay, what if um, Kendra asked you to water the new flowers that she got, and you went for the pressure washer? Yeah, that's. It's not going to work. Or what if you had to uh, take down like a rock wall in the parking lot? I don't think the pressure washer is the right tool. Yeah. So It's
0: definitely not the right tool (laughs) for window screens. And I found that out. (laughs) (laughs) It uh, destroys window screens.
1: This is perfect. See, this is a perfect metaphor. So we take tools that we have that work in certain contexts and we try to translate them down in material poor context, and just that's what we're doing. We're going into the screens or the flower mm-hmm. beds or whatever mm-hmm. with a tool that is not going to work. Or if like you and I just got dumped into a UFC ring, and, and we, we've we seen. On
0: the same team?
1: I hope so. Yeah. I don't want to fight you. <laughs> I'm going to be like pasted to the side trying to stay out of the way. But we think like, oh, we've seen this done. We could do it. So we just jump in there and st- we're yeah, going to go not down. Gonna be good. Yeah. I mean, you might do okay.
0: No, I will not. I'm not going
1: to. Maybe <laughs> Ben. We can send in.
0: <laughs> what are the What are some of the tools? Okay, so let's talk about our kind. So here we are on Lookout Mountain.
1: Yeah.
0: We all know that uh, recently Lookout Mountain Tennessee was uh, named as the wealthiest zip code in the state of Tennessee per capita. So if we're going down... To serve a ministry in Alton Park or on 12th Street in Chattanooga or where there's poverty. What are some of the tools we mistakenly take based on kind of our socioeconomic um, assumptions and, and the way we work?
1: Yeah, I, that's a great question. I think that one thing that we, we maybe don't all know about is the humanitarian, humanitarian spectrum yeah so there's three different types of interventions, and I promise i'm answering your question yeah um when there's been a disaster or people are on about to die or in that kind of life and death situation, that is relief okay so you it requires a relief intervention to save lives, so you're yes. digging people out of
0: rubble. earthquake
1: mm-hmm. rubble or you're getting trees off the road or whatever, or someone needs nutrition okay, and then you have the session the part of the spectrum after that is rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to help the people get back up to a, a, an acceptable standard of living. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that is development. So you're improving their standard of living from before. Okay. And so sometimes we go into situations and we use the wrong part of the spectrum. Mm. So we think what we need to do is relief, life-saving stuff, when really the, this person needs development, they need job skills training or mm-hmm. something totally different. They're yeah. not in that. So that's a big thing, a big framework to have in mind so that you're using the right sort of intervention. But mm-hmm. when we, when we go down, um, down the mountain, isn't that weird that we say yeah. when we go down the mountain? Mm-hmm. But, um, when we go into other contexts, materially poor contexts, we need to rely on our buddies, you know, remember the frog and the biggest thing it takes is time in relationships. Yes. You, you got to learn uh, to use your Lego that you also like Legos. Um, if you think about Lego bricks, separate bricks as assets of the community, yeah. not your assets, theirs, uh, you can build all different things depending mm. on how you put them together. There's not one way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and the other thing I'd say is sometimes uh, if you have type A folks that get into um, a materially poor situation, for instance, like a tent encampment mm-hmm. for homeless folks that have created that, man, we can scale that. Our our community up here, we could make it better. Like, hey, it's muddy. Let's get gravel yeah. in here. Let's uh, make better building materials. Well, in that case, you're addressing symptoms and so the mud's going to come back. And the thing, so mm-hmm. if you only address the symptoms, mm-hmm. you got to get further down. You have to keep asking, why is it muddy? Why are, you know, yeah, so.
0: Yeah. The why questions are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been down with you uh, to serve with our friends, Mark Hill and Diane Moore, who I hope to have on the show soon. Shout
1: out to the Moors. Uh, shout the out to the
0: Moors and Vision of Mercy. A lot of folks in Lookout have been going, uh, which has been really good to feed the homeless on Saturday mornings and supply them with essential kits. And um, the thing that I'm wondering when we're talking about, you know, going and serving in a community in ways that will be welcomed, it's like, how do you see poverty like in those tent cities in those areas and not hurt and also have hope? So it's kind of a twofold question. What you you address some of the don't hurt, like ask some why questions. Don't just take away symptoms and, but like when I go down there, it's hard to leave with hope. Yeah. But at Chalmers Center, you all see a lot of situations that would you would think, how is this going to change? But how do you minister in those situations with hope?
1: Yeah. i I mean. For me, the hope comes in building relationships with the folks and hearing their stories. Yeah. And, you know, we have the privilege at the Chalmers Center of getting to talk to folks on the front line who Mm -hmm. share with us the stories of God's deliverance. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just on a call yesterday uh, with a, a team in Illinois, and they did a journey map, which is just like, tell us about your day and how you felt throughout it. And they worked with this man who was in their rescue mission. And as he was going through the journey map, it was rough. Like he basically broke down realizing Mm. how bad his days were. And the team was breaking down. And they laid their hands on him. And they just prayed for him. It ended up Mm. being a a story of God's Holy Spirit pouring out. This man is now doing it, it. He went to an Amish farm with just a Bible. God has completely saved him, and he's now ministering to mm. folks that were in his life. So that's where you get it. I mean, Markel and Diana are a perfect example. Yeah. Markel was homeless for over 20 years yeah. and dealt with all sorts of things. There's the hope. Look at Markel that and Diane. That is so true. Yeah. And see that they're, they're walking with people. I love supporting them because they have their relationships with the folks day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And Markell even gets some formerly homeless folks who are transitioning out of, you know, being housing insecure, and they're helping minister to the folks that are currently homeless. Yeah, so that's, that's so good. That's the hope.
0: And you addressed something earlier that about um, the phrase, you know, we got to go down the mountain. And so I want to ask a question on that. What is. Uh, for those of us that live on the mountain and, and 80% of our congregants live in two zip codes, look out Mount Georgia, look out Mountain Tennessee. So we live on the mountain. What do we need to be mindful of about people who go down the mountain? And why is it important that we go down the mountain?
1: Okay. Those are like, that first one is a huge, first one's huge. can of worms. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, how do we need to think about that? Like we're people that do go down the mountain to go into these places that have significant need.
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, that, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. mentioned Lookout Mountain. Yes, he did. In his, um, I have a dream speech and people know that history. So when you're going downtown, I mean, I took a picture of one of the tent cities in downtown Chattanooga that had Lookout Mountain in the background. And I took it on purpose. It's it's an amazing contrast mm-hmm. to see this mud and pallet houses and tents in that mountain. And that contrast is not lost on the folks that I'm trying to, you know, be with mm-hmm. and minister to. Um, so I think a humility of knowing that we have an incredible amount of privilege and material blessing in our lives Mm -hmm. and that that's not lost on the people that we're working with and trying to get to know. Um,
0: Yeah, and it comes with responsibility for us. Absolutely. And also, I think one of the things you mentioned is time. Yeah, It's really easy for us sometimes, I think, to do something one time in the city to appease our conscience about maybe having too much. But it's the going back and back with buddies and friendships that I think I've seen makes a difference that they go, oh, this is about us, not about you. Like you really care for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that that, you know, just as you're saying that um, people go one time and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that they go at all. But I think until we see our own poverty, that they actually have something Mm. that we need Mm. and that we're impoverished without the materially poor. Wow. Then we're we're not going to go back more than once.
0: That is so good.
1: Because you know, they're, they're family. They are our brothers and sisters. We are all part of one huge family. And until we see them as that and realize that there Mm, are mm. parts of our soul that only they can fill and minister to, Mm. then we only will go once. Um, because it's a one way Mm. thing. And, you know, honestly, I'll write a check. I would rather, I got all this stuff, but when I know that Actually, it's me who's going to get filled.
0: Yeah. Taking that turn from they need us to we need them is a huge, what you just said, that's enormous. Any final thoughts on common mistakes that we make serving a community? How can we avoid them so that we will be welcomed as servants and helpers versus?
1: Yeah. I I mean, you said it before. It's really a time thing for me. Mm-hmm. We uh, have a lot of blessings and gifts. So there's money that you can give, which is fantastic, but giving our time is different, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you spend time with your friends Mm -hmm. and it's natural. And I think just realizing, I don't want to set too high a barrier for people, but realizing it's going to take more time than you think, Mm -hmm. because I get into those situations and I just want to fix everything. But if you look at it more relationally, if you Mm -hmm. look to Christ and how much time he spent with people, if you look to the creation story and how God used process, Mm. I don't know why we think we can do things faster or that, you know, they're in a different way. Like, let's just cut to the chase and fix this. No, it's time. And so just encourage people to be able to go over a long period of time knowing that you got to sit with people in their struggles and they're there for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So just take some more time.
0: takes a lot of patience, endurance, the long haul.
1: The long obedience in the same direction. There
0: you go. A Eugene Peterson book worth reading. Tabitha, thank you um, for joining us. I think I've got one final question because I find this asked a lot by my kids, by people in the church.
1: I'm getting so nervous.
0: <laughs> um you pull up on a stop sign and there's a homeless person standing there. And and there's just so many questions. What do I do? Mhm. I? is there an obligation? What do I do? How do I treat that? I think it's a question a lot of people ask. I'm adding it. What are your thoughts As just a human being, a Christian. A- I
1: like your little questions that you think are just, just if you could just answer this in 10 seconds, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't do that. Well, like I, there's a lot of those signs in Chattanooga and my, you know, we don't want to do things that enable yeah. a bad situation. If it's a freezing cold night in Chattanooga, um, get the person a cup of coffee, get them to a shelter, you know, that that's that relief situation, that yeah. life-saving relief. I don't know about those signs. Again, if you were in relationship with that person, then you would be able to maybe have a more effective intervention. Yeah. Um, so
0: it's a little different if you're working downtown and you see the same people every day every when you're time. walking in your office.
1: Or you hear the same story like, I just need gas for my car. Or, you know, I can give Two opposite examples. There was a family that um, actually a guy came up, kids were little in the back, and he said he needed money for gas. He was in a car. And I'm like, right, okay, follow me to this gas station that was within eyeshot, and Mm -hmm. I'll buy you taking gas. And I said, just give us a second, we're eating Burger King. (laughs) We went down there. He didn't come. And it was just like a short drive. So he didn't need gas. Right. Another time um, someone approached Kelly and I in a bowling alley, same thing they needed gas for mm-hmm. their car. Mm-hmm. We said the same thing, follow us to the station, and they did, mm-hmm. and we got them a tank of gas, mm-hmm. and we heard more of their story and so I think it's a case by case yeah um i I don't have I wish there were an easy answer, but I do think you should talk about it with yeah. your kids. I think that you can have that conversation and it's just. It's complex and yeah. they need to know about the nuance of it and the gray. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, once you decide to give someone money, I think it's in God's hands and mm-hmm. you can just make the best decision. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's way more effective ways to. There's get no, in relationship with people. There's
0: no absolute clear answer. It's a matter of wisdom. It is a question we should be asking and addressing. Um, I know some people will have like a little essential kit, Ziploc bags in their car that they'll yeah. hand to people. I have at different times kept five dollar gift cards to Subway in my car because a lot of people, when you're getting off twenty four, they can get to Subway.
1: Yeah. And
0: they if if they're hungry and they really don't have they they have that. They can use that for that particular purpose. Yeah. Um, and, but I think it is a difference at a stop sign versus outside of my office every day. If you see the same people every day and you don't know their names, that's a really important starting point. Yeah. To just treat them like a human.
1: Yeah. Give them the dignity that they already have or acknowledge the dignity they already have. Um, when Kelly and I lived in London, uh, you know, panhandling is a big thing in mm-hmm. any city around mm-hmm. the world. But I just kept like about a pound. I, we were students in my pocket. And the first person who asked me got it. And then that was it. That's all I had. And, but every day I had to run a gauntlet of, because we're walking everywhere. It's yeah. like four or five people. And it's, it's rough. Mm-hmm. It's it's That's a complex question. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, uh, thank you for for bringing wisdom to it. Yeah. And thanks for coming on our pillar and ground questions episode. It's a delight. It's been Uh, fun. Yeah. We'll have to gather again sometime in some way, maybe talk Legos or something. So pressure um, washers, pressure washers, but remember the frog, listen, ask questions, build relationship, invest time and pray. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Pillar and Ground, and thank you to Tabitha, our guest. We hope you'll join us on future episodes.